Hey, we are so glad that you are here. Want to welcome you to Hope uh, on this beautiful Mother's Day. Uh, we're so glad that you are here, and we pray, especially if you're new or visiting with us today, that you feel loved and welcomed in this place. That is why we exist as a church. For people that don't know Jesus, for people that don't have a church home, or you're still uh, skeptical about this whole thing and checking it out, what a great day to be together uh, on Mother's Day, a great way to start uh, your day together as God's people in worship uh, here. We love new people at Hope, and we love it that uh, we're, we're sitting out in the lobby today, and those of you that are back there, welcome. We're glad you're here uh, as well. And just because physically maybe it's hard to find a spot, there is always uh, room for you in God's family. We love it that you're here. And so we're excited about what God is going to do in this place. It is Mother's Day. Gentlemen, uh, the first thing that that means, this is your last helpful, friendly, wink-wink reminder, it's Mother's Day, uh, just to let you know uh, as well. Guys, it may mean that. I also want to encourage you, no matter if you are a parent today or those of you uh, maybe without uh, children currently, or if you're uh, single right now, or if you're uh, a grandparent, or your kids have grown up and they're no longer in the home, no matter what, to not check out and assume, oh, it's the Mother's Day message. So I'm just going to kind of mentally check out for the next half an hour or so, and I don't need to hear this uh, at all. Today affects all of us, really, because every single one of us has a mom. Every single one of us does. Every single one of us is a son or a daughter. And so this day impacts us directly or indirectly, one of the two. I'm so glad that you've chosen to begin your Mother's Day here with us. It's where we should be. And I want to say, before we jump into this and our topic for today, I, I really want to say a word to those of you that maybe are not so excited that it's Mother's Day. Because for a lot of you, you're here and you're here uh, with your family and you're surrounded with love and some of you are not. For some of you, this day is not filled with joy. For some of you, there's some anxiety and some fear uh, about today, not so full of joy. For some of you, you have lost your mother, or maybe uh, you're a mom that has unfortunately lost a child. For those of you that are maybe at the end of your rope with the children that you do have, or that there's pain or tension in that relationship. For some of you, have you experienced the pain and the struggle of not being able to have children and not wanting, uh, not being able to be a mom. For some of you, there's a lot of stress and anxiety around today because of that difficult relationship in your life. And so for some of you, it's a great day. For some of you, it's not. But before we jump into it, I just want you to know, I don't want to just sweep it under the rug and pretend that everybody's in the same place today. The truth is that God knows exactly where you're at today, whether you're a mom or anyone else. God knows exactly where you're at today, with your heart and your mind, whatever you brought in here this morning. And wherever you're at, he says that you are in the right place. Turn to your neighbor right now and tell him, you're in the right place. Just remind him of that right now. You're in the right place. That no matter what your relationship is like with your earthly parents, every single one of us has a father in heaven that is the perfect example of what a strong, faithful, consistent parent is supposed to look like. And so whether it's Mother's Day or whether it's Father's Day, as followers of Jesus that know a heavenly father, we never have to go through a Mother's Day or a Father's Day without a parent. Because God is that perfectly heavenly father that we have every single day and he's saying, let me be your strength today, let me be your courage 
Let me offer you my grace. And so I don't want to just sweep that under the rug, but I also know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And it's really good to laugh once in a while. Does anybody like to laugh? Okay, great. 14 of you and the rest of you can just catch on uh, with that. Uh, I want to share with you something. This is, uh, this is they interviewed uh, a bunch of elementary school kids. So five, six, seven, eight-year-old boys and girls. And so these are their responses to the question, why God made moms? Okay, why did God make moms? So there's a series of questions here and they just, these are their answers and I pulled out some of the top ones. So why did God make moms? A little six-year-old boy says, she's the only one who knows where the scotch tape is. That's what she said. <laughs> Another little girl says, why did God make moms? To help us out when we were getting born. So, you know, could have done it without you, mom. Thanks for that whole birth thing, right? Next question they ask the kids, what kind of little girl was your mom? And this seven-year-old sassy little girl says, I don't know because I wasn't there, but my guess would be she was probably pretty bossy. Next question they posed to a couple young boys, how did God make mothers? How did God make mothers? One boy says, he used dirt, just like the rest of us. Uh, And the other boy said, probably magic superpowers and lots of stirring, something like that. So here's a fun one. What did mom need to know about dad before she married him? What did mom need to know about dad before she married him? One little boy said, probably his last name. Another little girl says she had to know his background. Like, is he a crook or something? Another little boy says, does he make at least $800 a year, and does he say no to drugs and yes to chores? That's what I have to know. (laughs) Uh, Why did God get, why did God, this is a fun one, why did God give you your mom and not somebody else's mom? Why did God give you your mom and not somebody else's mom? And one girl says, duh, we're related. Here's a fun one. Who's the boss at your house? Between your mom and your dad, who's the boss at your house? Definitely mom. She doesn't want to be the boss, but she has to be because dad's such a goofball. That's what she said. (laughs) And last but not least, what's the difference between moms and dads? What's the difference between moms and dads? Number one, dads are taller and stronger, but moms have all the real power because that's who you have to ask if you want to go to a sleepover at your friend's house. (laughs) And last but not least, one little boy says, the difference... Moms have magic because they can make you feel better without medicine. Isn't that the truth? Yes, you can all collectively go, ah, right? I know you wanted to do it. That's okay, right? Something about that isn't there. There's something about the, the gift that moms are to the world and the unique way that they reflect the character and the nature of God. All throughout the Old Testament in particular, you see countless references, yes, to God as father, but also to God with these motherly characteristics. And that's because, remember, that men and women are created uniquely, equally, but uniquely in the very nature of God. And yet it goes beyond moms to really that all women, all women here today reflect the character and nature of God. Some of my favorite authors are a a couple named John and Stacey Eldridge and uh, Stacy is writing this uh, to you as women this morning. I wanted to share this with you, what she writes about all women on this special day. She says, all women are called to mother, and all women are called to give birth, because women give birth to all kinds of things, to books, to churches, to movements. Women give birth to ideas, to creative expressions, to ministries. We birth life in others by inviting them into deeper realms of healing. She's speaking to you as ladies this morning. To deeper walks with God, to deeper intimacy with Jesus. A woman is not less of a woman because she is not a wife or because she has not physically born a child. 
the heart and the life of a woman is much more vast than that. All women, all women are made in the image of God in that we bring forth life. When we enter into our world and into the lives of those that we love and offer our tender and strong feminine hearts, we cannot help but mother them. It makes me think that today mother or mothering is a much better verb than just a noun. Yes, there are moms, but every woman brings life to the world. What an incredible calling to bring life to the world around you no matter what age or season of life that you are in. Women in our community, you got to know this, have given life and given birth to, to, to books. We have great authors. We have creative artists. We have business leaders. We have CEOs. We have great leaders in, in, in the home, in the workplace, in the marketplace. Every single woman is designed to be a vital, hear me say this, vital, irreplaceable force for good in the kingdom of God. And so my encouragement to every single one of you today, ladies, do not play it small. Do not play it small. Live life the way that God designed you to live it with everything that you've got. And yet today we creatively and specifically want to lift up the role of mothering. And I cannot help but notice since becoming a parent myself, and as you talk to not only moms but you talk to dads, there's this parental instinct that just loves our kids so much and, and you want them so much to grow. Not, not just physically, but so many of you today that are moms, there's this longing in your heart, not just for your kids to grow up physically in an age, but to grow up emotionally and to grow up spiritually as well. I've, I've seldom met a parent that doesn't want to pass on the faith to their kids, that doesn't want their kids to somehow stand on their shoulders and be greater and do greater things than they are, particularly spiritually. I, I, I've never met a parent that doesn't want to pass on the faith, and yet what I hear right alongside of that is, but a lot of times I'm kind of at a loss for how to do that. How in the world do I pass on the faith to the next generation? And that is where we're going today. That's the question that we're going to answer. We've been in this sermon series called You Asked For It, where we've been looking at all these questions. And so today we're going to talk about passing on the faith to the next generation. And when I say next generation, I don't just mean the kids that are in the nursery or hope kids right now. I mean kids that are students and high school age and college age, whatever generation is below you, that's the next generation. That's who you're called to pass on the faith. Everybody say pass it. Pass it. To pass on the faith. And I believe what we'll discover today is that not only is that possible to successfully pass on the faith to the next generation, but it's for every single one of us. Every single one of us is called to pass on the faith, not just parents or grandparents, all of us in the role in this in the family of God, we're all called to do that. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy is in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. And that's where we're going to start today. Deut, 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 Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 4. So if you have your, your phone or your uh, iPad or whatever you have, uh, go ahead and pull out the Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, there are ones all over the worship center. And we encourage you to grab one. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. God is giving his word, he's giving his law to his people long ago in the Old Testament, and this is what he says. We'll pick it up in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God. Everybody say love. Love. That's the most important thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Verse 7, impress them on your children. 
I'm going to stop there for a second. We're going to continue with that passage later on, but I want to stop there. Impress them on your children. Notice it doesn't say suggest them to the next generation. (laughs) If they feel like it. (laughs) If you feel equipped, impress them on the next generation. No, it just says this is what you are called to do, not just as parents, but as anybody of the faith. It is to be on your hearts and then impress them like a rubber stamp. Engrave them in the hearts and minds of your children. Pass on the faith. So this isn't something new that we invented or like, oh, Sunday school, we should probably invent something for kids so that we can pass on the faith. This has been going on for thousands of years. This has been God's heart, that faith would not be something that's programmed, that's just taught to you, that faith is something that is intentionally passed down to you from generation to generation, to pass on the faith. Everybody say, pass it. Pass it. It reminds me a story growing up. Did anybody like to like play pickup games in a vacant lot when you were growing up, like baseball or football or soccer or anything like that? So growing up in junior high, there was a bunch of us that got together in this big vacant lot by my friend Grant's house, and there was this big open lot, and we would play football. We'd play pickup football. The problem with pickup football is you kind of get to invent your own rules, and there's nobody refereeing it, so anybody can just do whatever they want. And my one friend Josh always wanted to be the quarterback. And so we would line up and we would play, you know, four-on-four football. So you have your offense and then you have your defense. And those of us that are on offense are going out for passes because you can't really do a running play because we're not wearing pads or anything. It's just two-hand touch or tackle uh, for junior high boys. It's always tackle. Uh, And so a lot of us would go out for a pass, and Josh always wanted to be quarterback. Why? Because most quarterbacks want to do what? They want to... Pass it, right? But not Josh, right? So if you know anything about pickup football, you know the rules. Ever heard of like seven Mississippi or seven Apple or something like that? I'm seeing some head nods, right? If you're the defense and you're trying to get to the quarterback and rush the quarterback, you have to count seven seconds to give him a chance. There's nobody blocking for you, so you have to go one Apple, two Apple, three Apple, or one Mississippi, two Mississippi, because somehow that equals a second, and that's what we come. It doesn't work to say one Iowa, two Iowa. That goes a little quicker. So one Mississippi, two Mississippi, and we're doing that, and Josh would always wait. All of us are running out there, and we're all in the field, and we're yelling over and over again, pass it, pass it, Josh, pass it. I'm wide open, and we're standing there. We're running all over the place. I've run 50 yards down the field saying, pass it. Everybody say, pass it. And yet Josh would just wait, and he would wait, six Mississippi, seven Mississippi, and then when it's seven Mississippi and you get rushed, then you can run. And he always wanted to run, ball hog, right? And he would just take off and run. He never passed it, and yet we're standing there. The danger of never passing it is that you've got everybody else out there empty-handed. And you might think, John, it's a football. We're not talking about a football today. We're talking about something much more important of passing on the greatest gift that you could ever pass on to your kids or your grandkids or any children or students that you have spiritual influence on, which is all of them if you're a part of this community. So every one of us is called to do this. And some of you, I just have to say this, God is handing you the ball and he's saying, pass it. Some of you this morning, and I'm not just talking to parents and grandparents right now, some of you have leadership abilities, gifts, spiritual influence that God is giving you, and he's saying, pass it. These kids are not the future of the church. They're the church now. Pass it. This is for every single one of us. And exactly what's happening in our scripture reading that you heard read today from 2 Timothy. So if you have your Bibles, go from all the way in the beginning, uh, from Deuteronomy, all the way almost to the end in 2 Timothy, if you have that this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul is talking about Passing it, passing on the faith to the next generation. He is writing 
to a young leader, to a young pastor named Timothy. Timothy is, when you think, oh, this sermon's all about kids and I don't have kids, Timothy was probably in his late 20s or early 30s, okay? And Paul talks to him as my son in the faith as he begins this passage in 2 Timothy, which means just because you are not a earthly mother or father, every single one of us is called to be a spiritual mother or father to others. Paul has such a close relationship, he's mentoring and investing in the younger generation in Timothy so much that he calls him his true son in the faith. That is a very intimate relationship. All of us are called to be that for the next generation. And so Paul uh, says this to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. He says, as speaking to Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, everybody say Lois, and in your mother Eunice, everybody say Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Two things here that are going on. Number one, there has been some very intentional passing going on. I just want to make sure all of you are awake. Passing going on uh, here. And secondly, the women in Timothy's family are rocking it. They're the bomb. There's no mention of any guys here. And so often we think, oh, you know, the men are the, the spiritual leaders. And, and, and yes, we're called to love and serve and be leaders in that way, guys. But that doesn't mean that somehow the women are second rate or less than. These women are rocking it. And if it wasn't for these women stepping up and seeing themselves as leaders in Timothy's life, all of a sudden we don't have some of the New Testament. Because Timothy's like, oh, it never got passed on to me. And so here's Timothy living this out. Now he is a leader in the church. They brought life, these women brought life to Timothy in more ways than one. The question is, how do we do that? Not just as parents and those of you that have children right now, but those of you that have grown children, those of you that have any influence on children or students, how do we pass it successfully? And I believe what we'll find is that not only is it possible, it is for all of us. And this morning I want to highlight three main ways that we can do that to pass it. The first one is this, if you're keeping track at home and, and writing these down, stay connected to the source. Number one, stay connected to the source. I have never met a parent that does not want to give their children their very best. We pour everything that we have into our kids and to our grandkids. And just in honor of Mother's Day, remember the ice bucket challenge? We're just going to do that for some special moms this morning. I'm just kidding, right? No, we're not going to do that. I have never met a parent that doesn't want to pour their lives into their kids. And that is a very, very good thing. And so what we do is we say, I want my kids to have the very best. And so we give them our time and we give them our energy and our money sometimes and our resources and we pour everything we have into our kids so that they are filled up and have the very best opportunities. And hear me say this, there is nothing wrong with that, moms and dads. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. The problem is, where does that leave you? empty. Because the reality is, you can't give away what you don't have. That's the simple and short truth of it. You can't give away what you don't have. This is assuming, if we're pouring into the next generation, this is assuming that there's somebody pouring into you. And who's the best person to do that? A lot of times we just think, well, I'll just keep pouring and pouring and pouring. The most loving thing that you can do for your kids is to stay connected to the source, to be a reservoir, to get filled up by God and his love and his grace continually again and again. Some of you are maybe familiar with the, the story in Luke chapter 10 of Mary and Martha. Anybody familiar with Mary and Martha? Okay. 
three of you. Okay, so, all right, you know Mary and Martha. So there are these two sisters, and Jesus goes and visits them. And you know the story is that Martha's running around and she's getting everything prepared and cooking dinner and cleaning and doing all these things. She's the responsible parent, quote-unquote, in this illustration, in this story. She's the parents that's shuttling her kids around and getting them connected in all these activities and getting them dressed and feeding them and getting them to school and all that, and that is great. That is essential. That is needed. And then the other sister, Mary, is sitting at Jesus' feet. And sometimes in this story, people just rag on Martha, and they give, they just, so many people pick on Martha and say, oh, Jesus was there. I can't believe she was busy with all those things. You got to know something about the story. Jesus never condemns Martha. Jesus never rebukes Martha for being busy and active and doing all these things to get ready. And I want you to hear me say this. Moms and dads, grandparents, it is not wrong to want the very best for your kids and to go all out and to be busy and to get them involved in things. But don't forget what Jesus says next. He never rebukes Martha. He just simply says this. Let's read it together nice and loud on the screen. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Give your kids the very best. But how you do that in all the other things that are good, don't forget the one thing. Don't forget the one thing that really matters. They are watching you. Stay connected to the source. Step one in gospel-centered parenting and reaching the next generation is not to just keep pouring out and pouring out. It's you, if you're a single parent, if it's you and your spouse, it's collectively together and go, and if you can imagine, a waterfall, a gigantic waterfall. That's God's grace. And as parents, He invites you when you're feeling empty and dry and weary and worn out to go together and stand under the waterfall of God's grace and be a reservoir that doesn't give from the bottom of the pit out of desperation, but is a reservoir that gets filled up and what you're giving your kids is out of the overflow of your relationship with God. The most loving thing that you can do as a parent, a grandparent, passing it to the next generation is be madly in love with Jesus Christ. That is the greatest gift that you will ever be able to give them is to stay filled up, to stay connected to the source. Everybody say connect. And secondly, how we pass it, how we pass on the faith is to see discipleship in all of life. Not just some of life, but all of life. Everybody say all. all. All of life. Not just as parents, but for all of us. Some of you know this well. Matthew chapter 28. Jesus gives the great commission, right? Go therefore and make disciples, right? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As we talked about a few weeks ago, that's the goal of our faith. The goal of Christianity, the goal of the church is to make disciples or apprentices of Jesus, people that look more and more like Jesus, which means that the goal of parenting, that the opportunity that we have in raising the next generation is the most direct personal form of discipleship that there is with the same goal, is helping your kids, helping your grandkids, helping the next generation look more and more like Jesus. Hear me say this, the goal is to make disciples of your children. That is the most loving thing that you could do, is point them to Jesus. That's the goal. Not giving them everything that they want. Not being their best friend. Not just making sure that they feel comfortable. And 
Those of you that your kids are grown up and out of the house, you never stop being a parent. Discipleship continues as your kids grow up and are out of the house. It just looks different in different seasons of life. Yes, it's more direct at first. Don't throw that thing in the toilet. And eventually it's, mom or dad, is this the person that I should marry? Should I go to grad school or not? I'm going to buy my first house. All these things, discipleship never ends. And discipleship doesn't end just because your kids have maybe turned the other way. And that's where some of you are at this morning. That's why Mother's Day is not so cheery, because your motherly hearts are broken. Because you did everything you could to pass on the faith, and in your mind and your reality, it didn't work. And I just want to say this, when it comes to discipleship and those kids that you feel like have wandered away from God, it is way more important to win at the relationship than it is to win at the conflict or to win an argument. It is way more important that your kids continue to feel your love and your support rather than you being right all the time. Being right rarely changes somebody's heart. Love and kindness, Scripture says, is what leads to repentance. Prayer. So don't give up this morning. Keep the faith, Jesus says. Continue to pray and don't stop being that influence. We've talked before about contextually rabbis in Jesus' day taught from a very relational perspective. Jesus was a rabbi and he had disciples and they were younger students that were apprenticing him, not just in the classroom with head knowledge, but the classroom of life. And so when we talk about passing on the faith to the next generation, or those of you that are a little bit older and you want to start mentoring those that are younger, those in, in, in my generation in 20s and 30s and 40s of passing on the faith, the important thing to remember here is that it is an all-of-life thing. Learning is a relational, experiential thing when it comes to the faith. The danger is, is though, as parents, sometimes we just kind of blindly accept what was passed down to us, and we think that passing on the faith is, I can just get those darn kids connected in Sunday school. Then somebody at church, some volunteer, not me, some volunteer... We'll get them straightened out. And if I can just get them to Sunday school enough times, we'll get enough information in their heads and that'll transform them. Don't get me wrong. I love Sunday school and our version of Sunday school here is awesome. And Jamie and that whole team does a great job with that. It's called Hope Kids. It's going on right now. And they do a great job. But hear me say this, parents and grandparents. Hope Kids was never meant to be the main attraction. It was never meant to be the main course. It is a side dish. It is, a, it is a coming alongside the main event and the main attraction, the main thing, which is you. You are the primary spiritual leaders in your children's lives. And we are here to love and to support and encourage you and to do that however we can. And here's why that's so important. They can't be what they can't see. When it comes to discipleship, you can't be what you can't see. And if what they see is that faith is something we do for an hour a week on Sunday mornings, they are going to grow up with the idea that faith is something you do for an hour a week on Sunday mornings. What you are modeling for them 24-7 is is infinitely more important than anything that we could teach them up here. And I'm not just saying the young kids. I'm talking about the millennial generation. I'm talking about 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, my generation— We listen with our eyes. Many years ago, you'd say, why? Because the Bible says so. Oh, okay, I'll just blindly do that then. What is real 
to future generations is what they see as real and authentic lived out in other people's lives. I'm telling you, they, they listen with their eyes. What they see is what they will emulate. The context that Jesus speaks of discipleship in is highly relational and experiential, and that's why he says to his disciples, come and follow me. Kids can't be what they can't see. And that back to our passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Jesus is speaking, uh, God is speaking to them, not faith as something that is once a week, but in all of life. He says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts first and foremost. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols around your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Modern translation, every day, Every moment with the next generation is an opportunity for discipleship. What is normal to you is a growth opportunity for them. What is mundane for you might be a magical moment for them, might be an aha light bulb moment for them. Never underestimate the power of seeing discipleship in the ordinary things of life. A couple examples for you, just I can think of the last couple weeks. A couple weeks ago, my wife Tiffany was really sick. She had a really bad headache, and she was laying on the couch, and the kids are just, of course, in that moment going crazy. Uh, Evie's got something stinky in her pants, and she's running around and being crabby, and Caleb's being four and just being four and doing what he does. And in that moment, I, I, sometimes as parents, we just want to, we just snap into this, I got to figure it out. That the answer to everything is try harder, figure it out. And then that moment, it was like, God just said, you don't have to do this alone. I'm your father. I'm with you in this. You're not alone as a parent in this. And normally I would just get stressed out and, and I have to figure it out all by myself. And I'm thinking, oh man. And it's like God just said, why don't you pray? And I go, oh yeah, dust. Sorry, God, I'm a pastor. I should probably pray for my wife, right? That'd probably be good. And God said, not you him. And I look over at my son. Squirrel, right? God says, him. Okay. And I said, hey, hey, Caleb, three at the time. Hey, buddy, um, would you want to pray for God to heal mommy and just pray for our, our day and our situation here? Okay. I'm not asking him to do anything that I haven't modeled for him. Like, that's what leaders do. We don't ask anybody to do anything that we're not willing to do first, right? Especially as parents. He said, okay. And he comes over, and Evie waddles over with her bulging diaper. She waddles over, and Caleb comes over and just puts his hand on mommy's leg <laughs> and prays the most beautiful prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the Lord. Thank you for outside. Thank you for Paw Patrol. Thank you for Tyr Tyr Tyrannosaurus's Rexes. Thank you. Thank you for Daniel Tiger. And please, please help mommy. God, please help mommy feel better and help us because we know that you love us because you died on the cross because you love us. Amen. And he didn't do that because he's a pastor's kid. He did that because hopefully that's what we're modeling for him. And this isn't just about three-year-olds or four-year-olds. You can model that all the time. When your parents or your kids are out of the house, you don't stop modeling. He may have learned that at Hope Kids. It was most likely reinforced at Hope Kids. That was a proud 
parent moment there. In my imperfection of forgetting to pray, my son comes through. Every day is an opportunity for discipleship. The same thing when Tiffany and I are having an argument. He watches me. They're watching you. And don't see that as a pressure thing. See that as an opportunity thing. Do I just yell at my wife and walk out of the room and Or does he see me go up to her, grab her by the shoulders, pray for her, say I'm sorry and ask for forgiveness? How else as a man someday is he going to learn to say I'm sorry and take ownership of his actions if he never saw it? You can't be what you can't see. You can't be a godly woman without having a godly woman in your life. You can't be a godly man without standing shoulder to shoulder, moms and dads, with those that you are discipling, the gifts that God's given you under your own roof. Now, I know it's Mother's Day, but I thought I would bring a little pro football talk into it. Uh, This video, next video, is too good. There's a football player named Anthony Munoz, and he was one of the greatest offensive linemen to ever play. He played for the Cincinnati Bengals, and Several years back, you'll know by the quality of, of the video, sorry, it's about 10 years old, but he got inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And whenever you get inducted into the Hall of Fame, which is a really big deal, not very many people this happens to, the best of the best of the best, somebody gives your introduction speech. And so the, the person getting inducted gets to pick somebody to, to, to just you know, laud them and put them up on this pedestal and talk about all their, their titles and awards and their accolades and everything like that. Well, Anthony Munoz chooses his son, Michael. And as you watch this speech in front of thousands of people, think about the power of spiritual influence in all of life. In all of life. Let's take a look. Oh, and by the way, he played about 20 seasons as a professional football player. But that's way down his list of accomplishments. I don't think there's any one of us here today, parent or not, that would not long for something like that to be said of us at the end of our days. And how do you do that? By seeing discipleship in all of life. In all of life. Gospel-centered parenting, passing on the faith to the next generation (laughs) is so much more about what we see than what we say. Sometimes I'll hear parents say something like this. Oh, you know, I'm not perfect, so just do as I say, not as I do. Oh, it just makes me want to cringe. They're listening with their eyes. It invalidates what we're trying to accomplish. Kids, students are not looking for perfection. They're looking for authenticity and consistency. That's what it means to pass it. That's what it means to pass it. So we stay connected to the source. We see discipleship in all of life. But last but not least, where I want to land today is maybe the the hardest one. And I... To receive, and I just want to speak to the moms and, and maybe just the ladies here today for a moment from all my vast knowledge of women. <clears throat> or not. But in a lot of the moms that I talk to and live life with and listen to, there's maybe one thing that out of all the busyness and the clutter of this weekend and the chocolates and the flowers and the cards and the going out to eat and all this stuff, I think there's one thing that you want more than anything else, and it's just hard to verbalize sometimes. So maybe let's just let me take a crack at it. I think it's grace. I think it's knowing that you're enough. Some of you today, that you're flying high. It's Mother's Day and there's a lot of joy, but for some of you, you are tired. You are overwhelmed. 
Motherhood can be isolating, and you don't have those relationships that you used to. And underneath all of the doubts and the fears and the questions is this deeper question, and it's, am I enough? Am I enough as a mom? Am I enough as a grandma? Am I enough just being single? Is that enough? And for those of you that are moms today, you may never say it, but you're just desperately crying out, I so want to be good at this thing. I so want to be good at this mother thing. I want to do a great job. And if you're there today, I want you to know that you're not alone. You're not alone. God knows exactly where you're at today. And I want to end by introducing you in this last clip to a mom of three that you might resonate with a little bit, and her name's Dawn. And as you watch this final video, I want you to listen to the truth of God spoken over you and receive it this morning as a mom. Let's take a look. I just want to say this. I feel like God wants to say to you, all women today, not just moms, you're doing a great job. Can you receive that this morning? Well done, good and faithful servant. Hear Paul's words from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Fall on your heart this morning. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in, in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Nobody's asking you to be enough. He is enough for you and through you every day. You are not defined by your failures. You are not defined this morning by your circumstances. And certainly for those of you that have difficult relationships with your kids, you are not ultimately defined by the choices that your kids make. You are defined by your identity, which is a daughter of the king. Amen? That's why we pass on the faith. Because we're not called to do it as perfectionists. We're called to do it as those that are being obedient. To see your role as parents or parental figures as a high and noble calling. And it's not just parenting, but it's all of us involved in raising up the next generation. Those that are serving in the nursery right now, those that are serving in Hope Kids right now, those that were here every single week for our power life, our junior high and our addition, our high school programs, pouring their life into those students. It's those that came every single Thursday night this week to pour into the lives of kids from our neighborhood here in our Wiz Kids program because we take kids seriously and passing on the faith. We go all out because they're worth it, because they're God's kids. It's why we're going to go all out for VBS this year. It's a water theme, and so I don't know what my character for skits is going to be, but I'm going to be like Bible dude Aquaman or something like that, and I'm going to make a complete fool out of myself up here. Why? Because the next generation is worth it. They're not the future of the church that we'll think about someday. They are the church now, and they deserve our very best, and so we have to stay connected to the source. We have to see discipleship in all of life, and last but not least, give yourself the grace that God so desperately wants to pour into your life. Moms, there's a lot of things you might get for Mother's Day, but maybe the most important thing that we can give you this morning is a reminder of your identity and of God's grace. And we want to pray, not just for you as moms, but for all women that are here today. So what I want to do is I want to invite you to stand. Everybody, go ahead and stand. 
And what I want you to do is uh, find a woman that is next to you, maybe your wife or your mom or your aunt or your grandma, just any woman that is next to you, and we're going to pray for them this morning. If you're right next to them, just put your hand on their shoulder, and if you are not directly next to one, if you would just extend your arm out like this to pray for that woman that's the closest to you. God has designed every single woman with value and worth and a high and a noble calling, no matter what stage of life or season that you are in. And so we just want to bless you on this Mother's Day. So let's pray together. God, we thank you. We thank you for moms. We thank you for the ways that they bring forth life in more ways than one. (laughs) But God, this morning, I want to thank you for every single woman that's here today created with value and worth in your image that you have created them by purpose and for a purpose nobody's an accident here nobody's an afterthought nobody's second rate God you've created them with an everlasting love and I pray that they would know this morning that they are loved more than they could ever imagine And I pray that you would let your grace sink down deep into their hearts today. That they would know that they can stop the striving. That they can stop trying to be good enough because you've already done the performing for them. And God, I pray for us as men here today that we would lift them up. That we would elevate them. That we would have take every chance we can to lift them up and to encourage them and to pray for them and help them be whoever God has called them to be. That we would be a church community that lifts up women in leadership in whatever that leadership and influence looks like. God, we thank you for this day that you call all of us your kids, your sons and daughters, and that we can live for you, that we can pass on the faith to the next generation, not because we're good enough, (laughs) but because you are. And I pray that we would point the next generation to you and help us share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ with everyone we come into contact with this next week. God, we love you, and we pray all of these things in your name. And everybody said together, amen. 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 God bless you. Now that you've come to church, go be the church. Happy Mother's Day. We'll see you next week.